we unpack all things related to mothering. This is a community where we aim to create a comfortable space that allows for active discussion without judgment. Find us at thecuriousmother.com and follow us on social media. Our Instagram is at thecuriousmother. Welcome back to The Curious Mother. Today, we have a very special guest with us, one of our favorite pediatricians, Dr. Sharon Sullivan, and we're pretty excited to have her with us. So, Kristen, what are you curious about today? Well, so I have been curious about um, flu, and since we have Dr. Sullivan with us, I was hoping to quiz her about all things influenza. Um, (laughs) I know that it's getting to be September, and with it getting close to September, um, I think that's what flu season is supposed to be. So let's start there. <laughs> what is flu season? <laughs> that's a very good question. Um, it depends on where you live, but typically in Charlotte, um, our flu season hits mm, January-ish, but some seasons it hits as late as March, sometimes earlier in December. Um, but flu start talking about flu around September, correct? <laughs> okay. So, and what exactly is the flu? Because I, I, this is another thing. I don't know if I've if I've ever actually had the flu. I feel like I've said I've had the flu many times. Like <laughs> maybe calling out to work, I've I've claimed to have the flu. But I've always wondered if I've ever actually had the flu. <laughs> you probably have not then, because if you've had the flu, I think you would know. You feel awful. So when people talk about flu. It, they should be talking about influenza. Influenza is a virus, and there are many subtypes, but we're usually talking about influenza A and influenza B. Typically with influenza, you get a cough, congestion, sore throat, high fever, body aches, and you feel terrible. It'll last up to a week. Sometimes people confuse it with stomach flu. A lot of people will use the word stomach flu. That's totally different. That's just a stomach virus. Um, So that is vomiting diarrhea, but it is not the actual flu. Okay, so the flu itself is, is fever the thing that sets it apart from a cold? Like, what's the difference between the flu and a cold? Um, usually, flu is much more severe. Uh, body aches and fever usually set it apart from just a cough, congestion, cold. So the flu is not throwing up in diarrhea? Not usually. Some, some children will vomit a couple times, but not like the stomach virus you think about. Okay. So if flu season doesn't start until January-ish, why, tell me a little bit about these flu shots. Like, so in September, I understand that there's some kind of, like, mathematical modeling prediction they try to do about what flu we're going to get. Can you speak a little bit to that? <laughs> I can try. Um, yes, the virus mutates every year. The flu virus changes, so they have to try to predict ahead of, ahead of time what to put in the vaccine to protect everybody. Um And some years it matches very well, and some years it doesn't because the virus changes again. Um, And we start talking about giving the flu shots in the United States in the fall, August to September. And when I worked for, I worked for the hospital for a long time, and we just had, like, mandatory flu vaccinations. And I think I must be, like, just a very vaccination-friendly person. Like, I I just, you know, I was always um, mesmerized by um, viruses when I was studying biology. Um, So I just always, you know, would immediately, when they sent me the email saying, come get your shot, I would just do it. And um, now, and I feel like because I was surrounded by people working at the hospital, it was just something that everybody did. And now that I'm kind of out in the outside world, um, I find that there's a lot of question about whether or not people should do this. And so 
What do you hear of being like the the cons or the pros of getting the flu vaccine? Um, you, you're right. You hear a lot of talk about whether people get it or not. Um, I think the pros of getting the flu vaccine are huge. Um, first of all, it protects you, hopefully, from catching it at all. If you do catch the flu, um, your symptoms should be milder. Um, also, the goal is to protect those who can't get flu vaccines. Babies under six months old can't get the flu vaccine. So if anyone has a child that age that they may expose to the flu, they definitely should get a flu vaccine. So I, I know I've <laughs> shared my anti-flu vaccine stance, and it's, and it's not based on fact, except that there, I'm a family of four. And we used to get the flu shot, and then we kind of just fell off. Like, we didn't have our doctor's appointments in the fall, and so we didn't get them. My husband's religious. He always gets his. But the past two years, two of us have had the flu shots, and we're the two who get the flu. <laughs> so I, I feel a little like, why why get it? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I hear that every day. Um, you didn't catch the flu from your shot, first of all. I can absolutely guarantee that. Um did you get the flu mist in the nose or the flu shot the year you got the flu? Um, well, it's actually been my husband who's gotten okay. it both times, <laughs> right. okay. which might have a bit more to do with his <laughs> lifestyle than the flu right. shot. Um, and I think he probably got the, well, I think the shot. Okay. So um, you can still catch the flu if you get the flu shot. It may be because it wasn't paired up as well that year. Um, it may have been a different strain of the virus. That's the other problem with the vaccine. Um, or if you got the mist, we've learned that the last few years it wasn't as effective. So if you got a, the nose spray and then got the flu, it may be just because it didn't work as well. What? Um, tell me a little bit more about like, so the mist would have had a different concentration? Of, or like what made the mist different than the, the so shot? The, the mist is a live vaccine. The shot is an inactivated vaccine. With the flu mist, which is the spray up your nose, you um, your body gets exposed to the live virus and you build up antibodies. You can get symptoms from that. You can get a runny nose and a little bit of a cough for a few days because it, because it's live. Um, for some reason, it doesn't seem to be as effective as the shot. So the last two years, they haven't recommended giving that. Okay, so that's why when we marched the kids in promising them they were not getting yes. shot, <laughs> we, we left deal. with sad kids. Yes, that's been a big deal in our pediatric <laughs> offices the last two years, yes. So when I hear them say the flu shot this year, or this past year, this past season, was only 10% effective, what does that mean? It means it just uh, didn't match the strain the virus mutated after the vaccine was produced, and it um, didn't match as well, unfortunately. Does that mean that the that then the people who got their shots, like, it was worthless, or? No, it seems to at least have um, made you, if you got a vaccine and you actually caught influenza, you aren't as ill as people who didn't get a vaccine. It seems to give you some protection. So I have a family member who... Um, prefers to get all of their information from um, internet sources. Which is always great. It's always yes, good. Very helpful. <laughs> and um, I was informed um, last year's flu season that um, because the vaccine wasn't as effective, that it was much better just to stockpile 
um, the flu medication, the, the Tamiflu, that that was really the better way to go about things. And that really, if you had Tamiflu, there was no point in getting a vaccine. So help me unpack, like, what? how would I argue against this family member's belief system? I mean, mm-hmm. they're not going to listen to me anyways. Because, <laughs> I mean, we can, we'll put this on the internet, so we'll see if that gets through. But right. at the same time, <laughs> true, right. um, what is the difference between, you know, a, a preventative versus a treatment when it comes to the flu? So uh, Tamiflu is the one of the treatments, medic, one of the medications you can use to treat influenza. Um, the downside of that is there's side effects from medications. A lot of people have nausea and vomiting when they take this medication. And it doesn't actually necessarily help you feel better. The goal with those medicines are to shorten the illness to prevent um, serious complications from the flu from coming on. And you also have to start them within 24 to 36 hours of being sick, or they don't work really at all. Um, Hence the stockpile. Yes, correct, <laughs> keep it, to keep it on hand. I, but, are, you, are you allowing people, are you writing, is that a prescription medication still, or is that one that you can buy? No, it's a prescription, and okay. it hopefully will always stay a prescription. Because the problem also is, similar to antibiotics, it can build up resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, viruses can build up resistance as well. Um, so it's not a perfect fix to take Tamiflu or other antivirals. Um, it's better to get your shot, at least to give you some protection. And then if you get sick and you're high risk, then consider taking an antiviral. And I actually, I had also, in searching for some counter evidence for this family member, I came across a um, really sad story about a kiddo um, who had committed suicide after taking Tamiflu because of some psychosis induced in that have you heard of anything like that ever before? I have not heard of that case, but um, there are side effects with Tamiflu. The most common one is vomiting, but there can be psychiatric side effects with any medication like that, too. Um, so, unfortunately, it's not always safe to take those medicines. Mm-hmm. Um, so, t- I, tell me a little bit about um, what are some of the warning signs that you're getting the flu? Um, typically, uh, it starts with a sore throat, um, stuffy nose, <clears throat> excuse me, and then high fevers. Coughing. I know, coughing, <laughs> clearing throat, um, uh, um, usually high fevers, high fever and cough, um, and body aches, typically. Your body really is sore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a friend whose son got the flu on vacation, and they started Tamiflu, but then the doctor told the whole family, including his younger brother, who was two at the time, to start taking Tamiflu in protection. Is that something that you would recommend? Not any longer. We act, we used to do that. That was a prophylactic, prophylaxis with kids. Um, we used to do that, and, and you found that it didn't help, as well as it caused side effects. Um, so now you only treat. You don't provide medication ahead of time as a prophylaxis. Um, so tell me a little bit about that treating. Like, what does it look like if you're a parent and you feel like your kiddo might be developing the flu? What is what do you do to be effective there? With medication or just home in general? In yeah. General. Okay. So if you're if you believe your child is getting the flu, the most important thing is just to treat their symptoms. Hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. That is key. They've got to stay hydrated because they're running high fevers, which um, dehydrates the kids. Um, you can provide uh, Tylenol or Motrin for their body aches and fever. 
Um, if they're older, over six or seven years old, you could try some cough suppressant or decongestant if they need it. And then stay home. <laughs> Don't go out and spread it. A lot of families, um, you know, medicate their kid and send them off to school, and then it just gets worse um, for everyone. So keep them home till they're fever-free for 24 hours. If your child has an illness such as asthma or diabetes or an immune system problem, then they should be seen at the office and then consider Tamiflu. Um, but not necessarily every healthy kid or adult needs Tamiflu. It's more the high-risk kids. What is it about um, diabetes that makes it them higher risk? More prone to infection and as, as well, uh, and in fact this happened last week to one of my patients, is if, if a kid with diabetes gets the flu, they can't stay as hydrated, their blood sugars climb, and they end up getting dehydrated and hospitalized. Mm -hmm. So last flu season, there were a lot of shocking deaths that we heard about from healthy adults and healthy kids. Any understanding as to why that happened? Well, this year does seem to be, or this past season seems to be um, much worse um, than previous. Unfortunately, it, the flu can attack the body um, very quickly. And those kids that are dying from the flu, usually it's due to respiratory failure. The flu attacks their lungs, they get pneumonia, uh, become septic and die very suddenly. Um, no one is able to predict ahead of time which kids that's going to happen to and which seasons that's going to happen. Um, and that's why flu vaccine is really important. Yeah, I had a, a friend from college who passed away a year and a half ago suddenly from the flu. And I found myself, um, you know, she's the same age as I am, that just that was terrifying. And, of course, like when something like that happens, we look for the reasons why or ways to prevent. And it seems like... There's not a lot of great information about, you know, it sounded like she was doing everything she was supposed to and really just it went to her lungs in a way that was really terrible. You know, is there really anything other than the hydration? And is it, you know, should you be monitoring the fevers? Like, what do we do to keep ourselves or our kiddos safe? <laughs> right. I think the main thing parents can do is watch for any signs of respiratory distress. Um, if your child's complaining of chest pain or trouble breathing, shortness of breath, um, you look at them and think their breathing is labored, then you need to get them seen right away. Um, now children, the tricky part with children is they will breathe fast and appear labored when they have a high fever. But if their fever is down and you still are uncomfortable with the way they're breathing, get them to the doctor quickly. But other than that, um, it's it, unfortunately those are the really scary cases that could not be prevented. Um, now on an interesting note, though, um, and we'll learn more as numbers come across each season, is the majority of people who die from the flu are unvaccinated. Um, mm. So that's one thing you really do need to look at when you're looking at those numbers. All right. So my guilt is building up <laughs> about not vaccinating. Good job. <laughs> Success. <laughs> I'm starting to think maybe I should take this much more seriously. Right. It, say that somebody... Um, it, realizes in January, like, oh, no, we didn't get it. Is is it too late? It's not too late. It depends on the season every year. Um, typically, January is not too late at all. March is going to get too late. But last season, um, we were seeing an early flu season, and then they were predicting a uh, late surge again. So we were, we were given flu vaccines all the way to the end of February. Um, it takes about two weeks for your body to build up an immune response to the vaccine. So you want to get it, you know, as early as you can, but it's, it's not too late, um, in January or February. 
So probably not, you don't want to run out when your family member gets sick because that might be a little bit too late. That's probably too late, although last season we were vaccinating families whose kids had the flu or giving them to the siblings if they hadn't had the shot yet because it's worth a try. Okay. It's worth uh, building up some immunity. Any um, any people who can't get the vaccine? I remember when you're, we had taken the kids to do the nasal and our one of our children has um, asthma, so she was devastated because she had to get the shot. Now I guess all of them are getting yes, shots. Yes, all of them are getting shots now, but you're right. The, the flu mist, the nasal spray was... If you had asthma, you were not um, eligible for that because it could induce a mild case of a upper respiratory infection, which then could lead to an asthma attack. Um, in the past, also, kids with egg allergy were not allowed to have a flu vaccine at all. Um, this, thankfully, um, is no longer the truth. Um, we have They've done a lot of research on kids with egg allergy and giving them flu shots, and they've been fine. If your child has a severe anaphylactic reaction to eggs, they recommend staying in the pediatrician's office for 30 minutes after your flu shot, but they can still get it, which has really opened the door for those families because they were really worried. Those were the kids who parents were really worried yeah. that their kid hadn't had the shot. Any any other disqualifiers, like if your child is sick, has you know any, any reason they couldn't get right. it that day? That's a really good question because we hear that all the time in the office. They have a little cold. I don't want them to have their shot today. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, if, it, if a child has a high fever, we don't typically give them vaccines. Um, it's not because it's going to cause any harm. It's because it may complicate the, the story in the next day or two. Because if they have a fever, did it come from their shot or did it come from their illness getting worse? Um, but no, if they have a little bit of a sniffle or a cold, they can certainly have a flu shot. If they're wheezing and very sick, we tell them to return in a week or two when they're better. Yeah, I mean, I feel like with some ages of children, they always have a sniffle. Right, <laughs> right. So you would never get them vaccinated. No. Correct. Yes. So we tend to give them. If you're in the office, you get it. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. Is there anything else we can do to prevent getting the flu? Um, good hand washing. Not sharing utensils or drinks with anyone teaching your kids to cover their coughs right away from age two and up, um, uh, cover their cough with their elbow, um, and really just um, stay home when you're sick. Don't send your kids to daycare when they're sick with a fever. Don't send them to school until they're fever-free, because that's how it spreads um, really rapidly through schools. Yeah, it's funny. When I was growing up, both of my parents um, early in their careers were teachers, and so you pretty much had to be close to dying in order to be able to stay home. And it's funny because, of course, you know, of course, we all do it differently, right? And um, so now for my kids, if they're like, oh, I really feel bad, I just go ahead and let them stay home because I I don't really want to cultivate this. You have to be very, very sick. But I also feel like it backfires a little bit because (laughs) they kind of know I have a pretty loose policy. So I've been trying to figure out what that middle ground looks like. What do you do do with your own boys? (laughs) Mine don't stay home very often. (laughs) Um, But um, Is that because you have a thermometer that works? Yes, I have a thermometer. Um, Thankfully, they're pretty healthy and they have two parents who are both physicians, so they don't <laughs> stay home very often. Um, but I would say if your child has a temperature over 100.4, do not send them to school that day. Wait till they've been fever-free for 24 hours. Um, if they're coughing terribly and they have snot born out their <laughs> nose and, and discharge from their eyes, keep them home. Um, 
But you're right, kids, a lot of kids have stuffy noses all winter, so you don't want to keep them home. But the fever is really the key. Anything over 100.4, keep them home. I feel like we need to clarify that's 100.4, not 104. Correct. (laughs) 100.4. Yes. Yes. Good point. Good point. Good point. I know all of mine went through daycare and had like green noses for years. And I do feel like now we've we're paying the the benefit of all of that because (laughs) I don't think any of them have been genuinely sick in a very long time. Like I um yeah, I'm still trying to figure that part out. Like You know, they will say that they have sick to their stomach. I think they've learned that that's mom's, like, ultimate weakness. Mm -hmm. Like, I I cannot be around my children if they are throwing up. It it is my my one boundary line, and and they know that. So I think that they've learned, like, if they say, oh – I was I was sick. <laughs> then they're not. But they going got to me. <laughs> <I know. laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's it's hard because um, you know, we we want to do the best we can. I want my kiddos in school because I, I know it's hard to play catch up. But at the same time, I also feel like we have to try to keep everybody else safe. I'm phobic enough about stomach bugs that our front desk knows that if anybody calls and says that they have had any issues with the digestive system and they want to cancel, there will be no no no-show fee. (laughs) Smart. I do not want them in the office. That's right. You do not. That's smart. Well, and you mentioned something that you said you have to protect others. And there are kids out there who cannot have vaccines or have immune system issues, and they may be in school. So if you send your kid really sick to school, that child may get very ill. Um, so that's sort of thinking about others as well. Is that's important. such a good reminder. We had this one really um, toxic holiday many years ago, and it was, in this point, a stomach bug. I believe it was, is it the norovirus? Oh, yeah, yeah. that's terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the norovirus went through everybody in the family except for, I think, my three did not get it because they had been recently vaccinated against it or their is that the one that no no there's no vaccine okay it was i it's somehow the story is that (laughs) they had been vaccinated none of the rest of us had active resistance to this horrible horrible rotavirus yeah it was so rotavirus um yeah and it was it was really awful i actually um asked my pediatrician and my primary care if i could get (laughs) revaccinated I was like, I don't want to lose immunity to that sucker. (laughs) I know. What's up with this too old thing? (laughs) Exactly. Um, Last question. These masks I see people wearing around town, does that help? Should we all be wearing a mask during flu season? (laughs) Good question. Um, They do help. The masks help. So, but you don't have to wear them around town. (laughs) Um, We do have uh, kids wear them if they're coming into the office and they have an immune um, com- if they're immune compromised, they wear a mask if they come in the office. Or um, actually, you know, if if you're sick and you think you have the flu and you're sick enough to go to the doctor's office, it would be nice to wear a mask so you don't expose everybody else. <laughs> so it's more that you're not exposing other people, not that you can keep yourself Correct. from. Right. Oh. Yeah. You're, <laughs> yes. It's Melissa more is going to check her supply of masks. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you probably don't need your mask. You're right. Well, I, I do have one little uh, um, one addition to that. Um any any home remedies like um, so it was funny. I just just a little while ago I had a friend who was trying to sell me on 
why this certain um, oil was was what was keeping everybody um, safe from from infection. Um, any home remedies that we know are actually effective or preventatives? No, not that I know of. I know there's a lot out there, and there's a lot of um, doctors who practice complementary medicine, and it works. But I don't know of any, you know, specifically that work right now. Um, what about taking your vitamins? You, are you an advocate for that? <laughs> That's not going to keep you from catching the flu. Okay. <laughs> well, thank, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Sullivan. I think you may have saved my family from the flu Yay. in the upcoming years, so thank you. Get your flu shots. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for having me. If any of our listeners have any more questions for Dr. Sullivan or about the flu, any comments, we would love to hear from you. Go to our webpage and post your comments. And thanks so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Curious Mother. Learn more at www.thecuriousmother.com, where you will find resources related to episode topics. Please join our community and add your voice. Follow us on Instagram at The Curious Mother. Thanks for listening.